This season of My Comic Shop History is brought to you in part by Undiscovered Realm in White Plains, New York. UR has the biggest selection of Funko Pops around, with more than a thousand in stock, starting at only $5 each, as well as a large selection of rare, high-end, and exclusive pops. UR also hosts daily card game and video game tournaments, and sets up at dozens of comic conventions across the country. Check out Undiscovered Realm in person or online, and be sure to tell them Desi Westside sent you. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This week, our dive into con season continues, Aw Yeah style. We are here in beautiful downtown Harrison, New York at Aw Yeah Comics, and I am joined by two of the owners of Aw Yeah. So across from me, we have a comic book creator whose work you've seen in the pages of Tiny Titans, Encounter, and more. Franco, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. And to my left, we have the C2E2 event manager for Repop, Mighty Mike Nagan. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Yeah, both of you making your My Comic Shop History debut. I'm very excited to have both of you on the show. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, I'm upset that I wasn't on season one, but we'll, we'll get over that. I know. It took all the way <laughs> until season four, but uh, better late than never. Sure. The last time that I saw both of you together was, once again, here at All Yeah Comics for the Legend signing. You yeah. guys went all out for this. You yeah, had a, that was a killer, sign. killer signing. Who were, who were the guests that, that you had here at the store? This was um, back in April. Yeah, there was uh, Walter and Louise Simonson. Um, there was uh, Pete Tomasi. There was Jerry Ordway. And then a last-minute surprise Special guest. Special guest star, Paul Levitz. Paul Levitz showed up. Yeah. So all superstars here. Yeah. yeah, all, all Legend, legends. All legends in their own right. Yeah, yeah the store was packed. So I, I, I want to thank both of you and, and Mark Hammond as well, the uh, one of the other owners and the manager of the store for allowing me to be here to film uh, for my comic shop right. country. I filmed part of the signing. But I mean, this place was packed. It yeah. Was, it was really it cool. It was. It was probably the most successful signing we've ever had at the store, I would think. Yeah, there was a line in and around the store and kind of going out the door. Yeah. And um, for me, that's kind of fun because I'm usually the one signing at these things. So I just got to stand there and watch them do it. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, yeah. it was it, it was also actually cool also to see these legends kind of together and interact because you really don't get to see them together much, right? right? When you're at a comic show, everyone's at their their individual table, they're interacting with their their audience, and they don't they don't get to talk amongst each other. So I found it really interesting. Like I see Walt and Weezy together all the time, but just seeing Walt kind of you know constantly nudging Paul Levitz and yeah. he whispering each other's ears, and obviously they have some kind of inside joke going that that we don't know about, but just seeing him laughing, I like I enjoyed that stuff. It, it was fun for me because. Uh I talked to uh, Walt and Weezy, well, all of them, and I said, do you need anything? And and he's like, oh, I forget what he wanted, tonic water or something like that. And Weezy wanted uh, coffee. And and I've known them and I've seen them, but they don't remember me from Adam at all. So I went to go get coffee. And then when people came up to me to ask me to sign some of my books, I could see Walt giving me the side eye like he was all confused. Like, why why are they asking this guy (laughs) to, to sign stuff? And then he saw what I was signing. He's like, oh. And then he kind of got it after. Oh, he made the connection. Guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then, Mike, what did Walt Simonson send you out for? Was it markers or He erasers? sent it out for Sharpies. He, he, the, uh, the Action Comic 1000 covers were extremely glossy and hard to sign. Uh, so the, the Sharpies that we gave him just, just weren't working out. We gave all of them just kind of weren't working out. He's like, I think it'll work better with a really fine, fine tip Sharpie. So he says, do you have any? And I was, you know, patting my, like, ironically, like I, if I'm at a convention, usually I have Sharpies out of every right. pocket in orifice, <laughs> but not, not at the store. So I said, I'll run down to CVS. And of course I, I sprinted the two blocks away that it's, it's not really even that far. And 
I did actually sprint because I you wanted were, to get you back. You were winded. And I was <laughs> extremely winded. For those of you uh, who obviously can't see me, I am a little of the rotund nature. Um, so uh, so I sprinted to CVS and hoped uh, that they had some uh, Sharpies, and they didn't. And I, like by pure miracle, like, you know, light, light of God type of thing. I was walking away and you know how people mess up the aisle sometimes literally shoved into some other stuff on the floor at the end of the aisle was the Sharpies that, that Walt was asking for. And I picked it up. I was like, Oh, <laughs> and I ran back with them there you go. So, and they worked out well, better. I think. Yeah. The, yeah. my favorite part of that whole day was going to, going to dinner, just sitting around telling stories was just the most fun for me. Yeah. No, I can imagine that must've been mm. awesome. You know, they were telling stories not only about themselves and their careers and just, you know, behind the scenes stories, but, but Walt told the story and this is a bad, I'm telling a bad story because I don't even remember what he was talking about, but he was talking about the one time that he actually lettered his own book. And apparently he used this old school, uh, typecasting, uh, mechanism, like of some sort. Right, you know? I remember and that. he went on about it for like a good 10 minutes, but I was riveted to every yeah. word that he said. <laughs> no like, idea was, what he was talking about. I had about, but no idea what he was talking about, but I was so like every word that streamed down and I was like, this is amazing like it was it was really a great time yeah now well kudos to you guys and the rest of the oh yeah crew for that event and Franco, i want to publicly thank you here on the record for your help during the my comic shop country kickstarter campaign not oh, yeah. only did you uh contribute a a sketch reward uh-huh. uh, which got scooped up real fast did i do that for you you, you did oh, okay <laughs> i can't remember it was a wonder woman all right it was okay. a wonder woman yeah yeah cool. So you did that, but then uh, beyond that, you also designed the new uh, not not so flat squirrel, right, right, the right, squirrel that's been floating around. So if, for listeners, if you follow any of the you know social media pages that I have, you've likely seen our new squirrel, and it's the hitchhiking squirrel with the backpack, right. And it's when you sent me that the first time, I was just like, oh, this is so perfect. So thank you very oh, much. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, I took uh, some liberties. I didn't want them to be flat anymore. I and then- yeah. <laughs> And that's then, the thing flat no more i think it's very appropriate right and then uh the backpack has has the uh the ar symbol on it yeah that was so, one of my favorite touches i yeah. love seeing that i know what i'm doing sometimes you might have a future in this industry i don't know, I don't know. maybe we'll see <laughs> well maybe to kind of to bridge the gap and get into this this con talk uh when i have new guests on the show it's somewhat of a, tra- a tradition that i ask them about their comic shop histories so i guess that's where i would start and maybe we'll start with you mike a store either the first store that you went to or a store along your journey that really had a significant impact oh on you're you. you're asking for a long story here that's basically uh, i'll try and keep it as short as i can um it's a little bit of a history about me and, sure, yeah. and, and my life um in the second grade I couldn't read. I was in danger of getting left back. Um, and my mother went up to the school and she was like, what can I do here? Like, he's, he does, he's just not interested. And uh, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Sklar, um, she said, you know, comic books. Comic books is the way to go. Boys love comic books. Uh, it's pictures, there's words. It'll help him get L- Little did she know what she was doing. Right. right. I, <laughs> I should hunt that woman down. <laughs> so, she um, owes me a lot of money. She owes me a lot of money and a lot of time in my life. Uh, so, so sure enough, my mother started uh, picking up books at the you know the local corner store or whatever it was, uh, and and I started getting books there. And then maybe like I was into it a year. I was kind of rolling up the comics and putting them in my back pocket and you know kind of throwing them in the drawer and whatnot. Uh, and my reading, by the way, got. Uh, tremendously better to the point where by the time fourth grade came around, uh, I was an honor student, which in the middle of uh, Brooklyn was uh, in 1979 was 
few and far between those people. So, <laughs> so we, uh, so I was an honor student and I subsequently, uh, was an honor student for the rest of my career and, uh, high school at uh, junior high school, high school, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, my best friend at the time, Mike, Mike Valak, if you're listening, which he's not, he's still one of my best friends, by the way. Um, make him listen to this. We, every download I counts. Should. <laughs> I, I name checked you, brother. You should be listening. So, uh, he said, you're not going to believe this. There's there's a comic book store in, in the neighborhood. I was like, a what? And they're like, it's a comic book store. I go, wait a second. There is a store just dedicated to selling comics. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, take me there. So uh, sure enough, I was like 10 years old. We went, it was maybe five or six blocks away. It really wasn't that far. But in, in the grand scheme, when you're 10, like two blocks away seems... Yeah, you don't go much farther than half a block. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> so we walked over there and sure enough... On 92nd and M in the middle of uh, Canarsie, Brooklyn, was uh, Canarsie Books and Comics, owned by uh, Jerry Kanowitz and Jerry and Harriet Kanowitz. Uh, to what they seemed ancient at the time, but they weren't. They probably weren't much older than I am <laughs> yeah. now, which is kind of scary. But um, they had started this comic book store actually in the early 70s, uh, a little different part of town. Like three years later, they had done it on just weekends. Like three years later, when Jerry retired full time from the printing industry. Um, they moved the store and, open, and had it open full time. And from the day I walked in there, like my life just changed. Uh, I spent the first year spending, you know, pretty much every afternoon and weekend there just hanging out. You know, it was a real small town store, same, same people in there all the time. And uh, about a year, year and a half into it, Jerry says, you know, you hear so much, you're helping so much. He goes, you, you, you pretty much work here. Do you want a job? And I was like, yeah, I, I want a job. That's the way, man. Time and again, this has come up in these episodes. Like, that's how you get a job at a comic shop. Yeah. But you know what? Jerry was sneaky because what it really came down to is he knew every penny he was giving me, I was just going to spend on comics. <laughs> so in the end, like, he, he got all the money anyway. Um, he got free labor out of the deal, and, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I wound up working there almost pretty much through college. Like, that's how long I worked there. And that, you know, obviously that... I've made I made a lot of friendships there uh, that have lasted my lifetime. My my best friend Frank, you know Frank. Uh, I met him in the comic book store. Now he uh, he's the godson to my oldest son. Right at this moment, my my buddy Mark. Uh, he's watching my kids right now. He I met him in the comic book store when I was ten years old. Like these are these are the friends I made for a lifetime. So that store had a tremendous impact on me. Plus Jerry was a diehard comic book old school guy especially gold and silver edge type of stuff and he would just talk about all this old stuff that's not even necessarily mainstream for then uh and he just imparted so much wisdom to me in the industry like it's it's an invaluable uh experience and memory i can never never replace well said that's is the store still there or is it, is it closed unfortunately uh it's it's interestingly enough uh i'm putting something together for this september it'll be the 20th anniversary when the store closed down uh 1998 uh, wow. September 1998, the store closed. Um, Jerry, Jerry was just older. The the, the audience necessarily really wasn't there in the neighborhood anymore. Jerry had gotten older. He had gotten sick, uh, and he just couldn't do it anymore. Gotcha. So, so he he closed the store down, and unfortunately, a few years later, he passed away, which mm. was heartbreaking to me. But I still keep in touch with his family, his sons, uh, and stuff like that. So yeah. Wow, so really we nice. so we're. This September, I'm planning a, a store reunion, like where, 
you know, a lot of those guys I still keep in touch with, but there are ones that I don't know, don't not don't keep in touch with regularly, but you know, through Facebook or run into conventions and stuff like that. So I'm, we're going to put something together to, to do the, the anniversary of the closing and just, you know, one last hurrah. We're actually going to Skype in the guy that's on the West coast. Uh, it's going to be, that should be, be a really cool event. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. And I love the teacher using, co- encouraging you to read comics to help, uh, help your reading skills. Yes. And, and kind of on that note, Franco, I want to get into your secret origin as well, but, Uh-oh. uh, you were part of DC's new zoom initiative, yeah. right? These original uh-huh. graphic novels aimed at younger readers. And the one that you're going to be working on is Superman of Smallville. Right. Yeah. It comes out in February, 2019. That's and very cool. So now are you, uh, writing, drawing? Both? Uh, writing and Art Balthazar is doing the, we're writing together and he's doing the artwork. All right. Very cool. Is it yeah. written yet or is it still in, in progress? It is mostly written. Um, usually, you know, we write it together and then Art goes back and does thumbnails and then we hand it in and then we do revisions and then he, you know, pretty much draws it from the thumbnails. So, but yeah, yeah most of it's written. We know exactly what's going to happen and I'm not telling you until, until the book comes out. <laughs> <laughs> New twist though. Uh, Clark Kent as a boy has a best friend named Mike Negan. Just a new twist on the, the mythos. He, he does you heard not. it here first. He does not, just for the record. Oh, oh. No, don't worry. I wasn't angling for the scoops. You promised. <laughs> but I am excited for it. I mean, Superman's my favorite character. Mike, I, I think that's that's something that we yeah. share. We do. Superman is my favorite. <laughs> is Who's your favorite character, Franco? Um, it, it's always been, I, I want to say Superman because he's, you know, helped pay my mortgage. Uh, so I want to, I want to say Superman, but, uh, it's always been Batman and Spider-Man, the two, the two top for me, but, um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, given a lot of stories to, to Superman. So I, I'd have to say he's pretty up there. Well, Superman is Smallville. Again, he's my favorite character. We were talking before we sat down. Smallville is my all time favorite television series. So just from the title alone, uh, I'm on board. But what I think is especially cool, you know, I've, I've spoken about this with retailers, uh, on the podcast, but also as I've been filming the, the documentary that I'm currently working on. You know, this notion of where is where are there opportunities for growth in the industry? And one of the things that always comes up is, you know, maybe it's not so much about getting your existing customers to buy more, but where the growth really is, is, is creating new readers, bringing new people into the hobby, the industry, bringing them into stores. And it seems like this is, is a way to potentially do that, to create and nurture like the next generation. Yeah, I've been saying that for years and, and working towards that for years. I mean, all the way back to Tiny Titans and even before that, we were doing books for kids. Um, when... We heard about the opportunity that, you know, because we were pitching uh, some ideas to DC, Dan DiDio, the publisher of DC. We were talking to him, and and uh, and he said, "Well, not right now." Cause I forget what we were we were talking to him about, and he said, "Not right now." He goes, "Hit us up in a little while that we have something coming down the pike," which was this this Zoom and the Ink line, the two the two separate lines. So it was in San Diego last year that um we were going to talk to him but we didn't see him and luckily we had made arrangements art and i to go up to california up to we were in california in san diego but we went up to burbank uh and went to the dc offices and we sat down with with everybody there and they gave us the go-ahead right there on the spot which was kind of cool um because they asked us you know what characters you interested in and we said superman like without you know hesitation um and and they said well what are your ideas and and we told them and then um, flash forward to last, what, few months ago, we were in, in Denver when they announced a line. Um, you know, they announced a whole bunch of different people on these books. And every, you know, they, they did a big presentation with librarians and stuff like that. And every image they put up, we were one of the first people to get up and talk. Um, and we weren't given any indication of any of the other books that they were doing because they were all pretty tight-lipped about everything. So we were the first people to go up there 
Um, I think before, uh, right before us was uh, Shay Fontana, who was doing um, the DC Superhero Girls. And she's doing a new Batman book. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty cool. I want to pick up that Batman book. And then it was us. And then it was all these other people. And, you know, like, you may not know their names. And I can't recall a lot of them off the top of my head. But, you know, they're they're famous, you know, young adult writers or writers. You know, Peter and the Star, Star Catchers. You know, this this guy's an author of these books and everything. Um, you know, and every book that they put up there, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to buy that. That looks cool. Um, so I, I hope they have something kind of cool on their hands and, and something that'll get into the hands of, of younger readers. Um, uh, we're hoping ours does it at least. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, I'm looking forward to it and hopefully it does have, you know, that impact as, as we hope it will. Uh, so as far as your secret origin, what's either the first store that you went to or a store along your journey that, that really had an impact on you? I don't know if it was it was a story. I you know I grew up um, not being able to read very well um, because my parents were um, you know born in Italy and I was first generation born here, so I didn't speak English very well. So I had a tough time learning how to read and 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 all that as well. Same kind of background as Mike, but um, I remember going. We we lived in one place with my dad and my uncles owned a restaurant um, that was about an hour away from our house, and and my dad would get up to have breakfast with us in the morning. And that was the only time I would see him because, you know, he would work all day and I wouldn't see him at night. So on the weekends, on Saturdays, I would have the chance to go to work with him and I would go to the restaurant and I would clean tables. And in the afternoon, he'd give me $5 and say, here, you know, here's your pay, basically. Um, Go spend it on whatever you want. And I'd run down to the corner drugstore and I remember seeing uh, um, a spindle rack with comic books. And I'm like, ooh, what are these? And and I had bought comic books before, you know, but, you know, like Richie Rich and, and those other ones. But this was the first time I remember seeing superhero comics. And I'm like, ooh, what are these? And and I would buy them and read them and, and trace the drawings in them and try and draw them myself, um, which is how, you know, uh, I got interested in drawing superheroes and stuff like that. But then um, there were things missing in my collection. So I bought, you know, I remember telling people the first time I, I remember buying a story where it had to be continued was uh the teen titans where they go looking for the doom patrol with marv wolfman and george george perez and that issue was awesome and i'm reading the issue and then it doesn't end and it continues next next issue and then a month later i go back to the store and it wasn't there they were sold out and back in those days there was no way to get the book so i didn't read the end of that story until like 12 years later, I think I didn't read the end of that story. So, but that kind of hooked me. And then, um, I would get my comics through the mail because there was no real comic shop where, where I was. And then eventually there was one that opened up in town and I was just in awe and I was like, "Ah." and I would go in every week and, and get my comics. Um, so I had a, a a roundabout way to get to comics. I didn't really do it through a comic store at first. It's always interesting to me uh, to hear from people who, you know, experience a time when there weren't comic shops, and then you have that moment of discovery of like, oh, there's a place that's completely yeah. devoted to store, you know, to comics. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. So Mike, I would love to hear a bit about uh, your role at Read Pop. So what exactly does the C two E two event manager do? Uh, event manager is basically the person who uh, who runs the entire show. There is there is an entire team of people. Let me not. Not, you know, it's not like I do everything. That's far from the case. There's an entire team of people who run um, 
run a show. It, it takes a village to run a show, obviously. Uh, and there's just one person who, who kind of oversees and, and makes sure all the plates are spinning and make sure things are getting done in a timely fashion. Uh, so that's me. Like, I, I make sure that from, you know, making sure operation stuff is getting done properly uh, to, you know, we have an operations team and I work with them all the way up to the content, to the guests, and we have people who do all of that stuff and I just kind of coordinate it all into what eventually turns out to be a completely seamless and uneventful, uh, smooth operation. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> but we try our best. Yeah, well, in a couple episodes ago, we had uh, one of your colleagues, Chris Delando, on the show. He's fired. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that was for his sake. I'm sorry. It's a joke. He's, He's not really fired. The, uh, one of the content coordinators for C2E2. Chris, Chris Delando is the content coordinator for C2E2. Uh, we were very lucky. Uh, Chris worked for Marvel Comics for a number of years. Uh, and about a, I think it's I think he's actually coming up on his one year anniversary uh, for for working for Read Pop. He uh, he came on board uh, as the content coordinator for C two E two, and he totally crushed it. Like uh, coming from from a background that of course he he's knowledgeable about the industry and he has a tremendous amount of experience in in uh, PR and marketing and things like that. Content was kind of something that was new to him, and he came in and he created probably some of the best program that we've ever had at the C2E2. Uh, so we're very lucky to have him. I'm real proud uh, of him and what he accomplished. Um, and he's still fired. I mean, no, 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 he's not. Fired. He better listen to this after all those nice things. <laughs> he better listen. But no, we had a great conversation when, when he was on and, uh, you know, he talked a bit about his role and, and he explained how you guys, how Repop, you know, you are um, grouped into teams and, you know, different yeah. teams are working on different shows because again, it's not just C2E2 uh, and New York Comic Con. I know there are a bunch of other shows that Repop uh, puts on as we well. We have Emerald City Comic Con and we also have Keystone Comic Con, uh, which is a new show, uh, which is a launch coming up uh, this September in Philadelphia. Besides our comic portfolio of shows, we also... We do Star Wars Celebration. We do uh, a number of different packs, packs unplugged. Uh, we've had other branded shows, uh, Star Wars. We've done in the past, uh, Star Star Trek. We've done in the past, and UFC and things of that nature. So we 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 got a lot of different fingers in the pop culture industry, and always looking to do more. Yeah, you. I read an interview you gave where you said that you know, you've been a lifelong fan of comics, which of course we've touched on in this episode already. Uh, and you said you know you can't draw, but you can coordinate, and I you wanted to be involved in the industry, and you found a great way to do that. That is true. That is very true. I can. I I, I tried to draw, and I can draw to a very limited, limited extent. Extent. Like if I wanted to copy something that Franco had drawn, like I could take a picture that he had drawn and probably copy it to almost an exact duplicate in about two to three weeks <laughs> but it will look really good when i'm or done you can just hire me to do it or no, well, exactly it so uh so yeah i well I, I don't have much talent in the way of of creating uh i do have talent in coordinating i am reasonably organized and at least in that section of my life <laughs> <laughs> and before your current position, you got started uh, running the Artist Alleys? Correct. I used to, uh, previous to this, I used to run Artist Alley for C2E2 and uh, New York Comic Con. I did that for about seven years. I should probably know this, but Artist Alley, is that a read pop specific term or is that pretty no, generic across cons? Generic. That's been Artist Alley since I was a kid, since mm -hmm. I started going to cons as a little kid. And that's so. a place that, I know, Franco, you've spent a lot of time behind the table at, right? Absolutely. And, and again, not not any bias opinion here at all, but I, Mike runs one of the best artist alleys ever 
Um, honestly, out of all the shows that we've ever done, we always look forward to Mike Nagan's Artist Alley's. Thank you. Well, so I'll ask why, because that's something that I'm curious about and and why I'm always excited to get different perspectives on this, because what, you know, a cosplayer looks for in a convention might be different than what a creator looks for in a convention versus someone who's hunting for back issues. So like from a creator perspective, what makes for a really good, well-run artist alley? Um, It's a whole bunch of different things. Um, One of the things is putting like-minded people with the same content together, which, which Mike did. And one of the things that he did with his Artist Alley, which I was always really impressed with from the very beginning, was he would put all the kids' creators front and center right down the middle of the aisle. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big thing. Not only for us, because we get more, you know, more exposure that way, but I think that's the way it should be, because kids need to be seeing that content. Um, you know, I've been at shows where you just come in and they're like, okay, your table's over here. Um, you're the next one in line, so you know, set up right next to that scantily clad woman right there. And I'm like, well, I have kids' content. I don't know how much content I'm going to be able to sell next to this person. Um, so it's just that, and just the atmosphere with which you know, if you if you have a concern that you can voice it, and you know that it's going to be heard. You know, and again, not that there was any concerns with Mike's Artist Alley, but if there was something that you would go to him with, you know, he would genuinely listen and try and fix it. And if he couldn't, he'd come back to you and say, hey, listen, we're working on this or doing this. I can't tell you how many times you go to someone or even go look for someone at another show to tell them, hey, you know, there's an issue here or, or we're trying to do this. And, and they're like, oh, well, you know, or, you know, they either blow you off or, or you never you can never find them to begin with. Right. So just in that sense, it's it's easy to deal with when you're trying to do your job and just to put this in context uh for me and for the listeners franco like how many shows are you going to in a year i don't do very many um i do maybe about six a okay. year or so um and that's that's small in comparison to a lot of other people um just because schedule but uh i i try and do six or seven shows a year sometimes more sometimes less so what are the what are the ones that you regularly hit um, like New York, San, San Diego? New York, San Diego, uh, C2E2, Chicago. Um, and then just really, I try and, those are the three that I tried to hit. And then um, rotating ones. Uh, like this year, All Yeah Comics has partnered up with Terrificon. So we're going to be yes. out in Terrificon at Mohegan Sun in August. Um, I'm, I think I'm doing Heroes Con. I have to find out. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> in North Carolina. <clears throat> in North Carolina. Um, I was out in Colorado, Denver, Comic-Con last year, um, you know, so I just try and hit different ones outside of the big three just to kind of get a little bit of, you know, more exposure for, for the work. There are a lot of shows out there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of conventions. It's funny because I, I kind of liken it to film festivals. So when I started on my independent documentary filmmaking odyssey, <laughs> I was surprised to find out how many film festivals are out there. Because when you think of film fest, you know, of course, everyone knows, you know, Sundance and Tribeca and Toronto, like the, like the big ones. South by Southwest is another big one that a lot of people know. But there are, I mean, hundreds, there are so many and there are some that are really specific. Uh, in terms of, you know, the, the types of films, the subject matter that they're looking for, uh, all different locations. Like I went to one, my, one of my films played at a festival in a bar. It was, it was actually one of, the, one of the better fests that I went to. But I found, you know, there are so many out there. They're not all created equally. Some are, are run and promoted a lot better than others. And I, it's probably fair to say the same thing holds true for, for comic conventions. But there are so many out there. I mean, I guess... You know, for you, Mike, I mean, I guess, what is, what is the view of, of all of these shows out there? Like, does it make, 
you know, for you guys working on these big shows, does it make your job harder knowing that there are these other ones out there or is there room for all of these different types of shows? Well, I think for the most part, like, I think a lot of people are recognizing that there's an oversaturation in the industry. Like, there is there is probably not a weekend that goes by, including, like, Christmas and Easter, that doesn't have a pop culture convention of some sort. So it's definitely it's definitely become larger than it ever, ever has been. Um, there's difficulty sometimes because you never want to have events on the same weekend because especially if you're you're in the same you know location or near each other because you just don't for me at least you don't want to step on what the fans have like like the the fans enjoy what they their fandoms and 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 going to conventions and you never want to have them have to make difficult choices so that it's taking away from time from them like if there's two conventions the same weekend they they have to pick one as a fan myself, I would like this convention to be on separate weekends. This way I can go to both if I have the ability to do so. So, you know, when you, when scheduling happens where things are at the same weekend, they have to make a choice and, and you feel bad for the fans. You want them to be able to experience it all. You, of course, want them to come to your show. Like, you know, let's be honest, that you want them to come to your event more than another event. But at the end of the day, for me at least, that you want to service the fans and give them as much opportunity as possible to visit as many events as they can. Like, I know as a kid, I would have killed for the chance to be able to go to a convention pretty much every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one every year, maybe. Uh, in, and I lived in New York City. We had one every year. And those were pretty terrible shows. And they, well, by, by. they were great shows. <laughs> they were great memories. Of I want to. I want to continue on this thread because just as we talked about the time before comic shops, uh, you know, I, I am interested in what conventions used to be like because you know I've been going you know maybe for the past ten years or so, um, but I know that they used to be quite different. So like when you were growing up and go- going to shows, what were those shows? They like? were flea markets. They were yeah. they were out and out flea markets uh and they were very dirty and they were very grungy grungy and they were the, held the really the really big ones were like at maybe you know the new yorker hotel right, or, or the, the pennsylvania, hotel pennsylvania hotel yeah. pennsylvania and you're like oh we're going to a big show now right, and right. you go there and it's looks like a flea market when yeah. you get in there too it's just like a bigger flea market <laughs> right, right. on different floors that's all it was <laughs> yeah. those were like just vendors right there was, uh, there, it was mostly just vendors. There was no celebrity component to them. Like you would never see, you know, uh, William Shatner or anything like that. That that was a separate thing. Creation used to do the Star Trek conventions. But you would, on occasion, you would have a couple of creators. I actually went uh, at that signing the other week. Uh, I had told Jerry Ordway the story about how the very first convention I went to, he was there. It was him and it was Dennis Janke and that was it. And that was the big draw. They had two creators and then all these vendors. So yeah, it, on the rare occasion, you would get a couple of guests, but not not like you see today where you'll get an artist alley of, you know, right. hundreds of hundreds of creators. Like that just did not exist back then. But it was a little bit cooler back then in, to me. I mean, maybe I, I'm being old man and nostalgic, but when you used to, you used to love to, to troll through the flea market of it and find stuff. Like now today... I don't really do that anymore when I go even as a fan because I know like anything I pretty much want, I can get online and I could probably get online cheaper. Mm. Like, it, it's, and sad, it's, un- it's sad. Yeah, it's you unfortunate. Don't, you don't do the hunting that you used to do for that. Right. You, yeah. used to be, you used to look for that one issue like, oh, I need Detective, you know, 420, 425. And uh, I, I haven't seen it in any stores and I don't, I don't know where to get it. And you go to a convention hoping and praying that going through 100 long boxes that you find one. Now it's like, well, if I didn't find one, I'll just go online, click, 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 I own it. And there's not the same same collecting feeling. 
Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit because I do feel a sense that I get from at least some comic book fans is that a criticism seems to be that a lot of the shows nowadays, especially the larger shows, are so pop culture heavy and not comic centric anymore that it seems like some fans, especially older school fans, uh, feel like it's missing something now. I mean, I I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I I, kind of want to unpack that a little bit because... I'm trying to understand what, what the argument is because the things that I guess they want in a show, like being able to hunt through back issues, meet creators, uh, maybe watch a creator uh, interview on a, on a panel, for example, those things are still there mm-hmm. at New York Comic Con or San Diego or C2E2. Well, we make a very conscious effort for the Read Pop shows to keep the comic book in, right. in and I want to Yeah, exactly. And I want to get to that. But it's just like these things are still there. So is the argument that they're, they're overshadowed, that shows are harder to navigate because there are all these other people here for other things and they can't get to what they want? It's like, what, like, what do you think the problem is for, for the older school fans with the shows nowadays? I think the, part, the, the most difficulty is not necessarily even with the shows. It's the, the availability of of content on the internet. Like there, you used to have to search for an old Mego or an old Star Wars toy or an old comic. And nowadays that that's available to you at any given instant. You ne- So you don't even go into the show with the intent of, you know, I have my lists. Like some people still do that, but, but I don't, not as many as back in the day, because most people who were trying to fill a list, especially if you're that, you know, addicted collector, like I am, like, you need you want to have it as quickly as possible. Well, I have it readily available to me. I can get it from anywhere in the world. So, so I do it that way instead of waiting to try and go to convention and and go through the boxes or whatever the case may be. So the internet has kind of harmed the industry in in some ways, and even the collectability of as, the the investment aspect of it aspect of it. Like I remember back in the day, you know, books that used to be worth so much money, like crazy, crazy money. Now that once the internet came into it, to being like that, those books weren't worth money, Matt. Because now you realize they are more available than you had right. thought they were. Maybe the thrill of the hunt isn't quite so thrilling, right? The the thrill because there's no hunt anymore. Like uh, so that's that's part of the difficulty. And like while you, you know you still go to a show and you buy stuff, it's more I think it's more impulse buy. Even when you're buying older stuff, like like when I go to a show and. I, I back in the day I used to collect uh, Superboy and uh, Superboy and the Legion especially like ac- uh, adventure comics and old action comics like like teetering on like Silver Age and teetering on on Bronze Age stuff. I'd have lists and I'd go up through every. Do you have the, Do you have this one? Do you have the first appearance of Monel? Like I would be crazed for that stuff. Now it's kind of when I do the, go to the convention, I just go through the boxes or look on the the walls and just see like what interests me. Oh, that's cool. I'll take that. It's more of an uh, of an impulse rather than trying to fill fill a void of, of a number that you're missing in your your collection. Right. So so I want to jump back to you know what what you guys do at Repop, um, but I want to toss it to to Franco and, and just kind of this question like what type of show for you as a as maybe as a fan or and or as a creator I mean what type of show uh, I guess do you prefer the, you know because again San Diego San Diego in particular a very very strong Hollywood influence there yeah. uh, where you know you have actors promoting shows that really have nothing to do with comics. Right. Yeah, I, you know I was going to respond and say I don't think I've done a show as a fan in years more than 10 years or so um for me what i found is doing the different shows that you kind of they each have their own uh flavor or their own sensibility where i know that like you know for example you know it's been many years since i've done heroes con in in north carolina but 
I remember going there with a bunch of books and setting up and all I sold was commissions. And I found that very quickly that that's an art centric show. Like people come there to buy artwork. There weren't a lot of, you know, celebrity people there. It's a, it's a lot of comic book stuff, but people weren't really even buying comic books. They were buying artwork, which kind of, you know, threw me for a loop. Um, and then you go to other shows like San Diego over the years has just become something so celebrity oriented that, you know, that just overshadows everything. Um, and honestly, we don't go to San Diego to sell books because, you know, we, we sell them, but, you know, we, we look to pay for the table and, 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 you know, the ride out there and the ride back, but we're there for other reasons. And that's where we get most of our work for, for all these other projects that we're doing. Uh, something like, you know, C2E2, even though I'm from New York, uh, that's considered my hometown show because, you know, art's from Chicago, Art Balthazar's from Chicago, and we've kind of cultivated this kind of like hometown feel there where people come and every year they'll come see what we have new. You know, what book do you have new and we'll buy that, and, you know, what kind of paintings do you have, what kind of artwork do you have? Uh, so each show, show has kind of like garnered their own flavor, um, and you kind of learn what, um, you know, I'll bring less books to this show and more artwork or less of this and more of this to there. And you kind of figure that out over the years. But yeah, as a fan, I, don't, I haven't really been to a show and, and anything that I do buy, um, it, it's just kind of impulse and I don't really buy much at shows anymore. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, I think there is room for different types of shows. And, you know, you mentioned Heroes Con, and I agree. I mean, I have not been personally, but from what I've heard from a number of friends who have gone, it does seem to be a very art-centric show. Very. Uh, I was just reading up on the Clifton Comic Book Expo in Jersey. I don't know if you've been to that. I haven't been to it. I've heard of it. But so that seems to be more of that, you know, traditional, like, you know, just vendors lined up with, with right. tables and long boxes. So I guess if you want that type of con experience, there are ways to still have that. Yeah, there's, right. there's definitely shows that still do that. I, I just want to point out the Heroes is not a flea market show. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying he, that. No, no, was, but yeah. he, he, it's, it's, you know, it's basically a giant artist alley yeah. uh, with some of the most talented pe people in the industry, uh, an amazing, you know, amazing art uh, auction, like, like uh, Franco was saying. It's a, it's a very art-heavy, art-driven show. But I think there's definitely room for these these flea market basement shows. Like I grew up kind of like we used to go to the Pennsylvania and that I think it was called the Penta or whatever it was called. But I also kind of grew up in the age of those Mike Carbonero uh, church basement shows, which were, uh, you know, they were flea markety shows. They were in a church basement and, you know, but I have great memories of those shows and I have great memories of, of, you know, scavenging through, through that. And I think there's definitely a place for that for people who still enjoy doing that. Um, but I feel like that that audience is dwindling. Like so, like even a, a person like me who does enjoy that experience, uh, and I still try to attend events as a fan. It's it's actually kind of difficult because I walk in and I know so many people, so it's kind of hard to experience it in that old school way. Um, but my list of wants are are very small because after collecting comics for over thirty five years, like. I have everything I pretty much want that I can afford. Like I want an action comics one. Anyone out in the audience wants to give one up, just I'll, you know, send them to the Harrison store. I'll, I'll be sure to take good care of it. Um, but yeah. It, it, but then the other thing becomes, I mean, we're, we're a little on the other side of the fence cause we have a store. So anything we want, we can, we can get through the store now right. as well. So that kind of limits the things that I buy at shows as well. The one thing I, I, do buy now and that I have bought more of in the past few years is original artwork from people. 
which right. is what I've done getting right. commissions or, you know, I got people, you know, a list of people that, I, that I'm looking to get. And, and as soon as I can afford it, I'm going to hit them up for some stuff. Franco got an amazing commission recently. Yeah. From uh, Tom Rainey. Uh, it was a Hawkman Aquaman piece, which was gorgeous. amazing. Yeah. Gorgeous. Did you get it at C2E2 or no? No, I, I've been going back and forth with him for about a year or so. Um, okay. I, I talked to him in New York at a special edition show a few years ago, and I said, oh, I want to get a piece of artwork from you, and, and, you know, back and forth and back and forth, and he didn't have the time, and, you know, I wasn't ready for what I wanted, and this and that and the other thing, so then we finally hooked up. That's the pinball machine oh, in the other I was, room. I was like, yeah. time's up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a flat squirrel. See you next week. No. Um, yeah, Tom's a great guy. Tom was actually one of the guests on the season premiere of My Comic Shop History this season, talking about the creator perspective mm -hmm. at shows. Uh, Mike, I want to follow up on something you were saying, because I think it's interesting. You know, you said that fans who are looking for that, you know, more like flea market type thing, that that's a dwindling audience. And I guess that's the thing. So for, for you, for a company like Pop, you need to fill the Javits Center or McCormick right. Place. Although McCormick Place, I think you, <laughs> that that could ever be filled. That place is ever massive. We talked about that in, in Delando's episode. But that's, so I guess that's my question. It's like, as you're, uh, you know, crafting one of these shows and programming it, it's like, how do you strike that balance between, we need to have enough different things so that, you know, cosplayers will be excited and people who are into the movies will be excited and still also catering to those traditional comic book fans. Like, how do you find that right. balance? Well, the, the, the read pop model, uh, and this is not an exaggeration, this is literally written on the wall of our office, is uh, fans first, right? That's, that's, that's the most important thing to us, is fan first. So we try to, to create content at all our events, not just C2E2, um, at all our events that accommodate you know, as many fandoms as we can. And, and not like, it's not a matter of, oh, let's, let's throw you know, a random anime guest in here just to appease some anime fans like if we're gonna do anime content we're gonna have the anime segment in our show we're gonna do it to the best of our ability so for a number of things whether it's comics and comics is of course always at the core of of our read pop stuff at the pop culture stuff because that's kind of where a lot of the stuff originated from all the movies everything you know it all comes from that that base almost we always trying to create the best you know, comic content that we can, uh, best celebrity content that we can, anime, cosplay, uh, C2E2 is the uh, uh, global championship of cosplay. Uh, so we've raised that to, to a level that, you know, uh, that a number of years ago people would have been, thought was unheard of, like cosplay championship, like who, who's going to be interested in that? And we saw that there was an audience who had a need and we wanted to fill that need. Like, and so there's so many different aspects of the show, uh, and we try to fill as many fandoms as we can. Like, we just want the, f we know that the fans are coming there uh, to enjoy themselves, to enjoy the show, to enjoy the community of whatever their particular fandom is, and, and we just try and build around that. Uh, you know, it's, it's not always easy. It, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know... Uh, particularly for someone who's trying to to learn a particular fandom like myself like of course I have a very strong comic background uh, and I have uh, a strong you know celebrity background but like anime I struggle with like it's you know it's not something that I ever really watched except we're talking like old school Robotech and Voltron and Battle of Planets Battle type of planets. stuff mm. yeah but like you know there is so much so much anime uh, content and it you know now that I've been learning over the years um like I'm actually amazed, like how long this has been, you know, such a huge fandom. 
Uh, so yeah, it gives you a new appreciation. It gives me. It definitely gives me a new appreciation. While it, it's still something I, you know, some of it I watch. My son's actually a big anime kid. Um, I watch some of it with him, and I'm trying to learn. But it's just because it's not my strength doesn't mean that we want the audience to suffer. So, you know, as a team, like, you know, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses and we all try and build each other up to the point where we're well, well-rounded and can provide uh, not, o- not even, you know, acceptable level for each fandom, but, uh, you know, above and beyond. Is everyone on the team a fan of something? Or is there that one guy who's like, I couldn't care less about any of this stuff, but I no, like planning events. <laughs> uh, no, I have to say for the most part, the, the, the C2E2 team all has their, their particular fandoms. Uh, and there's a lot of overlap too, but they all have their particular fandoms, uh, which is fun. Like I've learned a lot about, about different things. We have uh, one person who works on our team, Leslie. Uh, she, she's into a number of different things, but she loves My Little Pony. And like, you know, I always kind of saw My Little Pony as a kid's thing, right? But she did this whole, uh, what we call them, we call them lunch and learns. Because uh, we do that. We try and teach each other. So so every couple of weeks or a month or so, we try to get together for these lunch and learns. And let's talk about a particular fandom or p- particular segment about the show that while you might be the expert, the rest of the team might not know. Uh, and she did this whole thing on My Little Pony. And I walked away like... Wow, friendship is magic. Like, yes, I, I want, I want to be a pony. Like, it was. It, so I learned a lot about that. So Mike, Mike is now attending brony conventions like every other week. I actually have a, a pony name. What it was? It's actually I'll post it on my desk. It's like Wonder Trundle or something like that. Like they came up with a pony name for me. Nice, nice. Yeah. So you mentioned the motto of you know fans first, and you know Franco. I mean, you you interact with a lot of fans, right, at these shows. I do. Yeah. It's like what is what is that experience like for you? So you're set up generally in artist alley, right? You're behind the table, mm-hmm. usually with at least art, right? Um, yeah. People think that we're attached to the head. We're not. We we do <laughs> we do a lot of other things separately. But um, yeah, we we interact with fans. I mean, um, that's how we built our base. That's how we got the jobs that we got. Um, you know, a lot of people might not know, but, you know, the job that we got on Tiny Titans was directly related to another book that we were doing prior to that called Patrick the Wolf Boy. And what we would do was, you know, hand it to anybody who would look at it, anybody who would look in our direction, you know, at, at these conventions, we would try and entice them over and talk to them about the book and then they would wind up buying it. And there was this one person in particular that we would see at, at, um, at all these different shows and her name was Jan Jones and we just thought that she was a fan um because she bought a couple of the books she thought that was they were hysterical she came back and told us about them and then she started buying artwork from us you know we would we would do these little mini paintings and you know we would see her at different cities and and uh we would always talk to her and then one day she happened to call art and uh she said hey would you guys ever consider working for for dc comics or doing a book for dc comics and art art's response was yeah do you know anybody that works there <laughs> and she said yeah me i'm a senior editor and we had no clue um you try and be informed because you want to try and hit up some of these people that work at, at these different um you know marvel dc or whatever because you're looking to get a job and um you know we just had you know there's so many people that work there you don't know who what is in what office and and she happened to work there and and she's the one who got us our start on tiny titans um so it was through fan interaction or so we thought well she was a fan yeah yeah, she is a fan. yeah yeah so basically that's how that's how it worked out so yeah i mean we always try and 
you know, talk to people and, and not talk down to kids. We always thought that was very important in all of our work, in our books. Um, you know, our books, people ask us what age range, and our, our pat response is always, this is an all-ages book, and, uh, and we literally mean that. We've had kids that have learned to read on our books, and we've had grandparents that have read the books to their grandkids and wound up liking the book and thinking it's funny and telling us that. So, you know, that's one thing we've always tried to do. Can I interject something here? Yeah, tell me. I have to say, Artie and Franco, by far, probably give some of the best fan experience that I've ever seen at a show. Uh-huh. Ever. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a true story. And I don't, I'm sure I've told you this. I don't know if I've, I've I, I'm pretty sure I've tell told you this. Tell me again. But my <laughs> very first interaction with, with Artie and Franco was uh, C2E2 2011. Uh, and we we came up with some random thing where we did something on stage. Uh, right. The the it was Artie versus you, a drawing competition. A drawing competition, yeah. Right. So we get up on stage and we do. You the weren't con- you weren't originally supposed to host that or something. I was not originally. Su- that's right, true. That's what I, it was. I was doing Artist Alley. I had arranged the drawing composition competition, but I wasn't supposed to host it. Uh, and then for whoever was doing it, or maybe one of you guys was supposed to do it, and realized. We can't do this and host. Right. We need a no, host. I think it was someone else that they couldn't they couldn't was do it? it, and then you uh, had to do it or something. I don't remember. Whatever. However it came to be, I wound up emceeing the whole thing and, and kind of hosting it. And it's like, who thinks Artie's going to win? Who thinks Franco's going to win? And we, we had a really great time with it. But but this is what, what really proved to me what type of gentleman both of these guys are. Um, you know, you literally the stage was packed. There was probably like... 40 or 50 kids around the stage like yeah. like little zombies clamoring for you ever see those scenes in the walking dead where they're all the sure. hands are reaching for you <laughs> it was kind of like yeah that. it was little hands reaching for us <laughs> so um so arnie and franco were doing the drawing competition on these big easels they would draw like if uh the kids say draw batman you know arnie would draw batman and then you know franco would draw a bat with legs and arms and like it, it, it was it was gotcha. really it was really fun um, so, but at the end of it, they would give away the drawings to the kids, but you know, it was only like a half an hour, 40 minutes max. Uh, so they gave away all the drawings that we had done. And then there was still God knows how many kids that didn't get drawings. And of course, each and every one of them were heartbroken. And these two dudes just wouldn't have it. Like there was something that had to be up on the stage, like literally that minute. And they were like, okay, we're, we'll get off the stage. And they went to the side and they sat down on the floor, actually already sat down on the floor. You, you. You are. You leaned over a table mm-hmm. with with these two big. They they pulled the uh, the big drawing pads off the easels and they sat there and they drew for every single kid that was at the thing. And even then, kids started coming up that weren't even at it. <laughs> and then it was like, does somebody draw a picture? And they drew for every single one of them. No, not one kid walked away without a drawing for them, from these guys. And right then and there, I was like. These guys are the best. Yeah, those are class oh, acts right there. They, these are class acts. Oh, thank exactly. You. That's a perfect way to put it. And uh, and like it wanted to make me my, build my relationship with them even stronger than it was at the time, which was pretty much nothing. We had just kind of we met. Had just met. We had just met, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, we had been talking through email and stuff. But yeah, and I was like, these these are guys that I you know I always want to talk to. I always want to work with, and and you know our relationship built from that. Oh, it was all that. from you guys just taking care of the kids. I'm and, glad we took the time and did that then. And, and <laughs> suffice to say is literally we did, we've done that a couple of times over the years and each time it was the same situation. Like they, they're always taking care of the kids. Kids are always first. Uh, their fans are always first. Uh, I've seen them 
treat uh, you know five year olds with the utmost respect, like you said, never talking down to them. And I've seen you know old men come up and and talk for twenty minutes and tell yeah. a story, and you listen to every word, and you're excited and engaged in every moment. That's well, fun. So. I mean, I, I like being at conventions. You know, I I get excited. I you know. Don't ask me that question as soon as the convention is over because I'm <laughs> I'm tired and I don't want to go to a convention. But um, and you burn out really fast too. Um, but I'm excited, you know, when I go to a convention. I'm excited for, um, you know, the people that are fans of ours that come up and buy new books. But um, just if not more exciting is that fan that's never seen our book before, or that you know will read it for the first time, or that comes up, and you know I can't tell you how many times I've had a parent come up to me saying. You know, my little boy, you know, was reading your books and he would not shut up about it. He's been talking about meeting you guys for like the the week, the whole week leading up to the show. And then the kid gets up to our table and he can't get a word out because we're sitting in front of him. Uh, And the dad's like, I don't know what's wrong with him. He wouldn't shut up a minute ago, you know, type thing. (laughs) So that's kind of cool just to have that kind of experience with, with, you know, I've, I've been, I've been a lot of people's first comic. Um, And that's kind of cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's quite the responsibility as well. Uh, I hope I live up to the task. And I think it's also great what you guys do is they they draw for every... uh, They have these little sketch cards. And they draw sketches for everybody who walks up. Everyone gets a a little sketch. And it's not even like... I've seen Artie put... And you (laughs) put like effort into these things. Like... You know, kids come up and they're like, oh, I want Batman, I want Spider-Man. It's like, okay, but then, you know, somebody will come up, a, a little kid will come up like, I want sh- Supergirl on Streaky, on uh, on top of <laughs> the uh, flying with Streaky <laughs> over a planet, uh, a green planet. And, like, they give all these details and you're like, okay. And like... We don't do as much of those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you do them. Yes. Like, you... you, you you really treat the, the fans well. You treat the kids especially Oh, well. thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like generally, and especially that story you told about, you know, staying after to do those sketches, you know, going back to what we were saying before about creating new readers, creating the next generation of fans, you know, at the very least, you gave them a great memory for that day, but, you know, you might have made fans for life right. with something like well, that. Well, that's always our hope, you know. I mean, you know, one of the things that's always touched me from real, very early on is is we sit in a basement like my my studio is in the basement you've you've been to my house and and art literally works in his basement and we spend a lot of time alone (laughs) you know working on these things and and then it goes out into the world and we have no idea who's reading them um but it has a profound impact and they come up and they tell us and and that's when it kind of reinforces it for us is at conventions because we don't have that interaction otherwise we have it at conventions and when they come up and tell us like your book meant this much to me, or I learned to read on your book, or, you know, like even with my latest book, um, you know, people are reading it and they love the artwork and they love the story and it's so impactful. And just today being here in the store, a a woman came up to me and said that, you know, I read your last book uh, and I loved it and I gave it to my mom and she read it and she loved it. And, and you know, that like, how do you not feel something after being told that, that, you know, makes me want to go right home and, and work on more stuff, you know? No, that's an amazing, you know, you said before that, you know, it can be, you know, physically demanding being at one of these shows. And I, you know, whether whether you're a creator or a fan walking the floor or I can only imagine what it's like for you, Mike. But, you know, to be at a show for two, three, four days 
on your feet, sensory overload. I mean, you know, walking around with the backpack maybe, or if you're behind it, whatever it might be, uh, you know, it really can take a lot out of you. But the fact that you're able to come out of a convention, you know, energized at least by those fan interactions, I mean, I, that's I, a really yeah, good thing. It'll take a couple of days sure. to, to get back to things. And, and Art and I won't speak for a couple of days because I've sat next to him for four days. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't need to talk to you for a couple of days. But then, you know, after that, you're like, oh, wasn't that cool? Or when that lady came or when, when we did this or the best part of the convention and and it gets you re-energized and want to create more and and that's what we want to do is just create more content actually one of the favorite things at the at any of the conventions uh where you and Artie are, and it's not actually it's not only you and Artie like Katie uh, Cook has the same thing whenever I see a line of kids and these guys get lines they could be lines of like 30 40 kids uh like I love that like there's plenty of plenty of you know, creators who get tremendous lines of fans, but you get the, so many kids and every kid is so excited. I love that line. Whenever I see it, it always makes me happy. It's, I'm like, this is what it's about right here, right, right at yeah. this moment. What is the sort of the, the ratio of people who come up to you at shows now who know your work and, you know, they're already familiar with what you do versus people who like happen to be walking by and they see some art and they're like, oh, that looks cool. What do you do? Uh, nowadays, it's a lot more of people know what we are or what we do, even if they don't know us. Um, <clears throat> at almost every convention, I'll have somebody come up and, and look at the books on my table and say, oh, I know that book. Is that you type thing? So they, they at least know my work. Um, so that's definitely changed over, over the years. Um, my favorite is when they come up and they look at something like, you know, Superman, because we did Superman Family Adventures or Itty Bitty Hellboy. And they'll come up and they'll say, how are you allowed to do that? Like, you know, aren't you going to get sued by, by DC? Or I'm like, well, no, because we, you know, they, they hired us to do this, you know. <laughs> or how, how, did you, how did you do anybody Hellboy? Doesn't Mike Mignola get mad? He called us and, <laughs> and asked us to do this. So. So, yeah, they think you just went rogue and you're doing yeah. this on your own. Right? Yeah. So That's interesting. I think I might do that just to see if anybody's paying attention. <laughs> with an- <laughs> yeah, I think you can have some fun with that. <laughs> I think uh, Itty Bitty Terminator. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I don't know. Come with me if you want to play. (laughs) (laughs) And what about creator interactions? Because I would imagine the cons are, you know, might be your only opportunity to see certain people. Um, Yeah, we see see all of our friends in different cities around the country uh, in different months. So, uh, you know, we've known Katie Cook for years, and we'll just see her in different cities (laughs) every other week, you know. So that's, that's always weird. You always see the same people, but in different cities. And you get confused. Like, hey, let's go to that restaurant around the corner. No, that was that was in Cleveland. This is this is Detroit. We're, we're in a completely different city. So, um, yeah. And, you know, just I pretty much met all, all my heroes. Everybody everybody that, you know, I've, I've loved in art and, and uh, I've been able to meet or at least talk to. Um, and, and that was pretty cool. You know, like one, one of my all-time favorites is... Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and being able to meet him and talk to him and get a piece of artwork from him. You know, I don't, I don't get really starstruck or giddy very, very often, but with him, I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. So, well, kind of on that note, uh, you know, (laughs) put this forth to either or both of you, any particularly memorable, funny, interesting interactions that you've had, whether it's with other creators or celebrity guests or even just fellow fans with me. One of my biggest ones was, uh, was meeting Stan Lee uh, a few years ago, and uh, we had a friend that was working with with his team uh, when they brought him to a show, and I, I think it was Baltimore. I, I can't remember, but um, 
we were introduced by him and said, uh, you know, they said, Stan, these, these guys, you know, they work for DC Comics. They'd like to meet you. And he turned around and he looked at us and he gave us like the sneer and he just turned away from us. And I'm like, oh, I was, I was just dissed by Stan Lee. I'm like, my heart is broken. But then the guy's like, no, no, hang out. He was just talking to somebody else. And then he tapped him on the shoulder and he said, Stan, these guys, you know, they, they'd really like to meet you. And he turns around and he goes, all right, why am I meeting these guys again? You know, I can't do a Stanley impression, but that's my best one. Sounds like Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. He goes, why am I meeting these guys again? And I said, Mr. Mr. Lee, if it makes you feel any better, because I was, you know, working with DC at the time. I think we were exclusive with them at the time. And I said, if it makes you feel any better, I said, I get all my DC comics comped, but I buy all my Marvel comics. And he tapped me on the shoulder. And he goes, I knew I liked you, kid. <laughs> and he sat there and he talked to us for about, you know, 20 minutes about comics and oh, wow. and, and how we look like the Hulk. I was, I'm standing next to two Hulks. You guys are huge. You know? <laughs> so that was fun. Um, I've had so many inter- crazy, fun, amazing interactions. Uh, I told the one recently, and I'll, I'll tell it again, uh, about the C2E2 uh, Shia LaBeouf mm. came to the show. Um, as a guest or as a fan? He came as an, uh, a creator, which this is the ironic part, is he he emailed me and he was like, hey, I want to come to the show. This is Shia LaBeouf. I want to come to the show. I want to make my own comics and I want to come to the show. And I was like, uh, sure, Shia. Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, how do you even know that that's him? And I, did, and, you know, I told people around the office and I was kind of like, it became like a running joke. And I was like, sure, you, you come to the show. <laughs> We're all good. You'll have a table. It's fine. Um, he's like, but I want to keep it very low key. I don't want to, yeah, Shia, whatever you want, we'll do it. And, you know, up until the show, we were making jokes. Yeah, when Shia LaBeouf comes to the show, when Shia LaBeouf. But you, you also have to put this in context. This is what, like, when he was really, really big, yeah, like, right, yes. right after Transformers. This was right after not Transformers. before he went nuts. Yeah, right? yeah, this is not before he <laughs> okay. was. Well, not, yes. He not, was on the verge of going nuts. He was on the verge of going nuts. So, um, so it became a running joke. And even leading up to the show, that we were like, oh, when Shia shows up, when Shia shows up. And I was like, yeah, you call me when he gets here. So sure enough, I'm on the show floor, and... I get a phone call from somebody up at the show office, like, hey, Shia LaBeouf is here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, ha, 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 very funny. And they're like, no, he's really here. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, he's really here. Could you come up here right now? Please come up right now. And I was like, oh, my God. And, of course, I ran up there top speed. And sure enough, it, it was him and his, his girlfriend at the time, which I forget her name. Uh, but she was some, some big model. Uh, and sure enough, he's like, listen, I just, I want to set up my little lemonade stand. That's what he kept calling it. I want to set up my little lemonade stand. I printed these books. Um, the book was called Let's Fucking Party. <laughs> That's what the name of the book was. And it was like a little hardback graphic novel. And, and the girlfriend was like, he's so excited. He spent months drawing this. He he printed them all. He bought an expensive printer. He printed them in the, his apartment. He bound them himself. He spent an entire week just sitting on the floor in his pajamas, binding these. Like, he's all he's very excited to be here. So I'm like, okay, great. <clears throat> that should have been a clue as to where he was going, basically. Right. right. <laughs> uh, Why, wow, you've never s- sat on the floor binding books? Well, I have, but I'm not Shia LaBeouf. Uh, that's so. true. Oh. Uh, you're better looking. Oh, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. So, um... And I was like, okay, let's, you know, so now I'm walking to a table. I didn't put a table away from him. I never thought the dude was coming. Interestingly enough, um, somebody happened to cancel that day, and I had a free table right next to George Perez, which was also like, George is a big guest of the show. He's going to have a tremendous line. It's not have Shia. He's obviously going to have a tremendous line. I was like, this is going to be a nightmare, but we'll, we'll manage to it. So as we're walking up, he's like, hey, you know, I want it low-key. Don't, 
no social media, no announcements at the show. Uh, I'm just selling my book. I'm like, all right, are you taking photos? I'm not taking photos. Are you, are you signing autographs for like eight by tens or, or Indiana Jones memorabilia or Transformers memorabilia? He's like, no, I'm not doing any of that. I'm my little lemonade stand. I just want to do my little book something. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, I, I, I will have, I said, I can't stand there, but I'm going to get one of my best people, one of my artist alley crew, see two artist crew, artist alley for life. Um, I brought one of those, those guys over there and I'm like, listen, this is this deal. Make sure that everyone sticks. I will literally come back every five to 10 minutes and just make sure things are okay. And that's what I do. You know, I would circle and circle. That's how I kind of did Artist Alley as a whole. But I made sure I wanted to pass by that. So I come back about 10 minutes later. Now, this is pe- people who don't even realize it, who he is. And they start to see, and he's wearing a blue cap, and there's some recognition. I come back 10 minutes later. The dude is on the table, knees on the table. In one arm, he's got a little kid. In the other arm, he's got a, a Optimus Prime helmet and he's screaming at the mother take the picture yeah let's take this picture and then like the rest of the day that's who he was he took he took pictures he signed autographs for everybody there wasn't a person who rolled up to him that didn't have a great amazing experience uh and he was there all day and he sold out of his books and he was very excited um but when the end of the day literally the end of the day came like a light, like he was hugging me. Shia LaBeouf was hugging me, hugging me. Thank you so much for this experience. Great time. And then all of a sudden, like total blank face is like, but now I need to go. Light switch. Like light switch. <laughs> he was like, I need to go right now. I was like, okay, sure. You know, let's get, he's like, no, I need to be out of here in the next minute. Like I need to go right now. And the show had already closed. It wasn't a matter right, of like, right. And he's like, I need to go right now. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, no. And his girlfriend's like, we got to go now. And we, he just started, we just started getting up all the stuff and putting it, he had a suitcases and, and we were like rushing through. And he's like, he's like, let's go, let's go. And, and we start running through the convention center because he didn't even want to be stopped by, because he figured vendors or somebody, whoever was left over would stop him. And he's like, you got to, you just got to make a line, make, make a path. Like I, I got to go through. I was like, okay, let's go. So we run through the show and we're literally running me, him and the supermodel all running with the luggage and like trying to get that and he's like i need to get out of here now so we get to have you ever been to c2e2 yeah yeah okay just this year okay so the the hyatt the hotel that's connected to to the mccormick place is is basically where everyone stays most people stay and where everyone goes if you want to catch a cab right after the show you can't catch it outside right right, right. you got to catch it outside the hyatt so this is like Saturday on outside the hyatt there is a lot right after the show there's a line of over 100 people waiting for cabs and he's like, I, you need to get me in a cab now, now, now. So I literally run to the front of the line. And who's standing at the front of the line? Dan DiDio. <laughs> Dan DiDio is the person that needs to get a cab. And I'm like, Dan, I, re- I got to take your cab. He's like, he's like, what are you talking about? I, I, I'm, I, I, and I point to Shy. I'm like, he needs a cab right now. I, I got, I'm going to take your cab. He's like, you're not taking my cab. I'm like, I, I got to take your cab. I'm sorry. And I, I was like, and Dan didn't know me, but he didn't know me as well as he probably does today. And I was like, I'm listen, I, I, and the cab pulled up and Dan's like, he like goes lunges. I'm like, Dan, Dan. And I open the door and like literally Shia jumps in the car and I grab the, I, I grab a suitcase and throw it in the backseat, not even the trunk, like practically hit him in the chest. His girlfriend jumps. I slam the door and it just, it's like, and drives away. And Dan's like, what the, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And everyone's screaming at me. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I, I ran away and I felt so, so bad about it. I was like, oh my God, like that 
just went off the rails real quick. I saw Dan <laughs> later in the night at the the Hyatt bar, and I was like, "Listen, man, I'm so sorry." And he's like, he you know he, he shakes my hand, he hugs me, he's like, he's like, I had no idea what was going on. He goes, only he goes, somebody after you ran away said that was Shia LaBeouf, and he goes, "Oh, now I understand." <laughs> um, so that was probably one of the. The nuttier more that, nuttier things that have happened at a, a convention that that I've is amazing. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's amazing. I don't know why, but I think what strikes me the most about this is the fact that he like he did everything himself. Like he emailed he emailed you personally, right? Himself. He didn't come with a whole team. He didn't have a driver waiting for nope. him after. Nope, nothing. So I give him credit for that. Although, yeah, what a bizarre end. Yeah, to I, that. I still have his email address and his his phone number. Like, I you know you almost feel like using it. Like I almost feel like, hey, shot, <laughs> how you been? Like, yeah, but uh, I don't do that. That's, I never heard about that. Yeah, that's, it was pretty crazy. That I wonder if Dan crazy. remembers. I wonder if it I'm sure registered in his memory at all. Yeah, that really took a turn at the end. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just a, you know performance art that he was doing. Like, I'm going to be a comic creator for a day, maybe. and then it's like, well, he's done. He, <laughs> I have to say, he he gave a tremendous fan experience. Tremendous. Like, I got my picture with him. You got a picture with no. him? That's right. I remember. I got a, I got a picture with him. Like He hugged me like... 30 times, every time I came up, he's like, thank you so much for giving this to me. This is an amazing gift, gift you have given to me. And I didn't have the heart to tell him, like, I didn't think you were fucking showing up. <laughs> <laughs> so, What did George Perez think? Did he? Mm -hmm. um, George Perez was, he was just like, what the hell is going on over here? Because the, it was so crazy. And I, I had went up to him and prepared him. And he was like, I was like, but listen, I promise you, we got it handled. Like, I had like three, four people managing the lines and making sure that, and like he, apparently from what I understand, they got along okay. very well. And, you know, apparently George, you know, really bonded with the, 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 the supermodel girlfriend, girlfriend uh, from what I remember. And like, it all went smooth. All right. Something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a good time. <laughs> George, the kid from Transformers is here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he has a comic he's going to sell. That's amazing. I don't know though. I think that's uh, I don't know where else to go. I think that yeah. uh, I and, don't know that we could top that. And my memento from that from that m weekend from that moment is we had uh, bullhorns that we would use to clear the floor, which we do not use anymore. By the way, Reed Pop shows we we do Those not were use a little obnoxious bullhorns. To, but th <laughs> it was like the first year, second year of C two E two. So it was like, hey, we need bullhorns to clear the floor, and I'm, like a year later like no more bullhorns but i was using a bullhorn to clear the floor and he came up and he grabbed it out of my hands and he started he started like singing into it and like all right everybody's gotta go home um <laughs> we gotta pack up time to go home and then he then he signed it and he handed it back to me and then i was like you have a signed bullhorn i have a signed <laughs> c2e2 it's 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 branded c2e2 and it was funny because there was a big thing like don't lose the bullhorns like they cost like 40 or 50 dollars don't lose the bullhorns and then at the end of the night i was like well i'm keeping this yeah. and they're like no you're not and i'm like yeah, yeah. yes i am <laughs> i was like you signed my shy i'm like i'm keeping this like no you got to return that so i went to uh to my boss and i was like this is shy booth's bullhorn and i want to keep it and he's like of course you get to keep it <laughs> and, that was, and i was like yes and it sits in my office today my office at home what an amazing bizarre story Exactly. We should try to get him on the podcast. He might do it. He might, might, you never know. You never know. It would be definitely interesting. <laughs> At a certain point, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, you know, we, we've, we've talked about a lot. I mean, you're both convention veterans. I'm sure we could go on and on. Uh, but I really enjoyed our conversation. Was there anything else that either of you wanted to say or anything big that we, we didn't get to that you really wanted to talk about? Um, no. Except for my, my new book. It's called The Ghostly Owl with art by Sarah Richard. It's out of bookstores now. And I'm doing Encounter, 
that uh, Ghosty Owl is through Action Lab, and Encounter is a book that I'm doing with Art Balthazar and Christy Russo, and that's out through Lion Forge, and that's out monthly right now. Awesome. And then uh, you mentioned this earlier, but uh, you are partnering with Terrificon, which is going to be in August. So uh, what is what is happening exactly? Oh, yeah, has their own uh, like room we have our during own kid, this? Yeah, we have our own kid zone. Um, cool. So um, we're working out a whole bunch of details, and you're, you're going to get um, you're going to get an exclusive right now. So we're working on a on a whole bunch of stuff. Where we're going to have a, um, a section where people can can uh, work uh, robots and and drive like battle bots and stuff like that. And then we're going to have uh, a lot of interactive stuff. We're we're partnering with the uh, Westport Library to do a whole bunch of programming for the show. Um, so it's going to be. Um, you know what happened is Mitch put on puts on a great show, and I've done his show um, uh, a couple of times. And uh, he's at Mohegan Sun, and they built a brand new exposition center, which is four times the space of what he originally had. Um, and he came to me. He goes, oh, "I remember you said that you might want to do your own, you know, convention or something like that." You know, um, he goes, "Any interest in partnering up, you know, and doing, you know, uh, kids' activities here?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, but if we do, I want to do it so like that, you know, like." People walk into the experience and say, I don't know what that was, but it was a lot of fun. So I want to bring in stuff that you've never really seen at a convention before. Um, and hopefully we'll pull that off. We'll see what happens. But it's uh, August 17th, 18th, 19th at Mohegan Sun. Very cool. Well, I'm planning to be there for that. And I look forward to seeing it. And for any of our listeners, I mean, especially if you're in the tri-state area, you know, why don't you give it a shot? Check it yeah, out. Should be fun. Mike, anything else that you wanted to say? Uh, I could talk for hours about comics and comics conventions. Uh I think the only thing is, you know, if you haven't had a chance to visit one of the Read Pop shows, uh, particularly C2E2 in Chicago, which will be uh, March 29th through the 31st, uh, 2019, uh, you should definitely check it out. Like, uh, we always have a lot of great comic stuff. We always have a lot of great content related to whatever your fandom is usually. So uh, we have a new launch coming up, uh, Keystone Comic Con. Uh, that is September 14th through the 16th in uh, Philadelphia. Um, a lot of great stuff is getting announced uh, for that. So far, our first guest is Frank Miller. First comic guest announced was Frank Miller. Um, we got that's the only one I remember off the top of my head that I know has been announced. So I don't want to say anything. In, I haven't been announced yet. Uh, you have not been announced. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, definitely come down and check it out. Where it's going to be a good time. Cool. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to do this. I really yeah, enjoyed man. speaking with both of you. Hopefully, we'll have more opportunities to podcast again in the future. Anytime. Be great. Anytime. Oh, I forgot one more important thing. Yes. Come down to All Your Comics in Harrison, New York. Come visit us yeah. here. Or if you're downtown in Chicago, Harrison, or if you, if you're in Chicago go to beautiful downtown Skokie, All Your Comics. Or if you're in Muncie, go to beautiful downtown Muncie and, and see All Your Comics there. Right on. That's right. Thank you to All Your for hosting us for this recording. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, be sure to tune back in in two weeks for another all-new episode. It's going to be our con survival guide episode, so it should be a lot of fun. And until then, don't be a flat squirrel. Don't be a flat squirrel.